of a war we ain't asked Transgression for. a progression of a war we ain't asked for. This madness, yo. All the things that we could talk about. Call it. But let's talk about these urban circumstances real quick. And basically, it's the... And, um... We got this. So... Revolution. Where the fuck we had? Muhammad is the fame's name. Forever stand. Standing on royal fusing of justice for the few ridiculed by the pale terrorists bent on genocidal obsession rooted in fear of neglection and abandonment fueled by nightmares of ancestors. Truth, because at the end of the day, I still want to be able to to. I don't dislike George Washington. The kind I don't of friends I think our friends should be like my friends. My friends are the kind of friends I think everyone needs. My friends see the things at times I don't see. My friends hate the police. child trying to see you, you gonna look, you gonna pick up that book, Lord keep me far from the space, guide me through night and day, teach me your ways, show me the righteous way to sway, Lord can you teach me please, show me the way, I'd say. And welcome back to another season, another episode of the Urban Conservative with Chaz Neal. We're excited to have you join us on this thought, on this journey of thoughtful discourse and community engagement. 
The Urban Conservative is proudly sponsored by the Leon Black Network, an organization committed to promoting transparency, truth, and accountability in our media landscape. Here at the Urban Conservative, our mission remains steadfast to bring you the latest news directly from the streets, addressing critical topics such as gun violence, crime, politics, and perhaps most importantly, exploring solutions to the profound challenges our communities face. As we embark on this third season, the focus is clear. It's time to actively contribute to the transformation of our communities for the better. How can we achieve this? The answer lies in a multifaceted approach that starts with reconnecting with our core family values, strengthening our sense of community is paramount, fostering bonds that transcend the barriers that often divide us. Moreover, it involves embracing our foundational roots, recognizing the historical and cultural threads that weave through the fabric of our society. In this season, we are calling for more than words. We seek action. It's a plea to move beyond mere rhetoric and engage in tangible, impactful initiatives that contribute to positive change. The time for empty words has passed. Now more than ever, we need to put our convictions into action. Together, united by a common purpose, we can make a substantial and lasting difference in the well-being of our communities. So join us on this journey as we explore not only the challenges, but also the opportunities for growth and progress. Together, let's turn our shared vision for stronger, safer, and more connected communities into a reality. Thank you for being a part of the Urban Conservative with Chutaz Neal, a platform dedicated to fostering change and making a positive impact on the world around us. Set up and help. Good morning, good morning, good morning. It's Monday. It's Black History Month, which every day should be Black History Month. Every day should be history for every American, regardless if you're white, if you're black, if you're an American. It should be about our history. It shouldn't be about the things that we are being indoctrinated to believe, to think. Uh, and that's kind of really what I want to get in today. Uh, so this episode is... And wait, let me let me step back a little bit. I got John Tell with me today, my producer, not only my producer for the Urban Conservative, but also uh, producer for music. Uh, he also is a producer for the Leon Block Indie Sounds. Uh, he also has his own shows. He also is a is an artist, a circumstantial saint. Uh, so let's welcome him to the Urban Conservative this morning. You're not gonna talk. Well, we'll get back to him. He's unmuted. I don't know what's going on. Um, that's what's wrong with you know. Today we do live shows, so y'all get it with us live. Uh, but what I wanted to talk about today is revolution rising. Uh, from Alex Haley's roots to Roy Wilkins, the 1994 crime bill, and of course, George Floyd, which started a whole new revolution. Um, and that's what I wanted to talk about today because there's been narratives, there's been truth, there's been lies, there's been stories. Uh, and that's what I want to get into. And but first, I want to get into, you know, it's, it's Black History Month and all month since, you know, I've been doing uh, start. Can you 
Can you talk, Jontel? Uh, I still can't hear him. He'll figure it out. Um, but I wanted to get into an individual that I really honestly didn't hear about until over the weekend. And that kind of pissed me off a little bit. Um, so I, I want everybody to um, realize who I'm, I'm about to discuss. Uh, and that is Reverend Thomas Fountain Blue. Um, I'm going to play this video and then I'm going to tell you guys about time the, the educator, um, the trend center, uh, Thomas Fountain Blue. So here, let me set up. The first black man in the country to lead a public library was honored today at Eastern Seven with other city leaders and community members gathered today to dedicate a call in. It's overwhelmed with joy and gratitude and just gratefulness, just full of gratefulness for all of what's been done and just the fact that all these people are here and recognizing my grandfather reverend blue died in 1935 and was buried in an unmarked grave alongside his wife the grave was discovered through a partnership between the western library and friends of eastern cemetery are you As, as we talk about Reverend Thomas Blue, um, it, for me, I, I wanted to acknowledge Thomas Franklin, or Fountain Blue, who was born on March 6, 1866 in Louisville, Kentucky. He was a distinguished minister, educator, and civic leader. Blue's impact resonates through his leadership of the colored branches of the Louisville Free Public Library. Beyond his influential role in the library system, Blue stands out as an early trainer of African-American librarians in an era where access to education and information was fraught with challenges for the African-American community. Blue's efforts were instrumental in fostering a more inclusive and diverse library environment. His commitment to education, and civic leadership marked a significant step towards breaking barriers and promoting equality. On this day, we honor Thomas Fountain Blue for his tireless dedication to shaping a more enlightened and inclusive society. Let's remember and reflect on his enduring contributions during this Black History Month 2024. Um, and for me, that that story for me was, I, you got to think about the times, you know, because um, we didn't have DEI, we didn't have affirmative action. So basically, literally, you know, when we think about our ancestors and we think about our, our leaders and our heroes from the past, we also have to think about those times because during that era, and you have to look at that era for the simple fact that there wasn't all this legislation. There wasn't all these rights. So for the fact that you were, were literally held and, and seen with other people, 
even though you didn't have that, they got there by their merit. And that's what I want people to realize is that we don't need all this legislation to be able to sit in seats because I know right now, I know a lot of people who I think about Thurgood Marshall who got there by his merit, right? Who got there because he was a man of the law and literally did things that nobody was doing, right? You, you got to look at history because we look at people like Ben Crump, right? We look at people, other lawyers. I, I don't know how many documentaries and other things that I've seen in the last four years that have opened my eyes to why I understand now why we have the problems that we have because we're undereducated, you know, and that's what I want to talk about today is revolution rising because there's a lot of things that I think people don't know or they don't understand. Um, and I'm going to break it down to you piece by piece. Um, so over the weekend, I was having a, a great conversation on um, Twitter and the, me and the person we were, we were talking about black history. Cause you know, they were, they were like, well, why can't we, why does it black people have to have a whole month and white people don't have, don't even have a day. And I'm like, black history, black history month is white people month. How is it not? Because at the end of the day, I'm going to tell you right now that we are so indoctrinated, right? that the stories that we've been told aren't even true it's fictional and and what's crazy is i'm a 46 year old black man and i didn't even know until this weekend that roots is not a true story it's fictional right he got it from a lot of parts from two different books one the african <laughs> And it, it really, it, it took me back. I had to step back for a minute because I was like, wait, hold on a minute. So you mean to tell me that Alex Haley Roots was plagiarism. It wasn't even true. They sent me the lawsuit. And, and I was like, wait a minute. Wow. And then to even hear the judge's words um and then even here to the conspiracy and and things behind roots and how a whole nation a whole continent a whole world believed something that was not even a true story right so then it made me go back and and and, and think so if they told us about roots right alex haley told us that slavery how you know chicken joy George Kunta Kente, you know what I'm saying? And all those people, and those are, and I'm sure a lot of that experiences that were in the, the book or that were in the movie were real, but it was more to be a, a shocker. It was more of like a, it's supposed to be like a feel good, like, oh, black people can overcome. But at the end of the day, all that shit was fictional. It wasn't even true. It wasn't even a, a real life story because is there really a Kunta Kente? Alex Haley says there is. But when you go back and, and you look at the comparisons between the African and who it's written by a white man 
And he talked about a 12 year old who journeyed through slavery of being captured and, and all of that through Africa and then his journey. And it's like, damn, how are we supposed to believe anything that these people tell us if we don't do the research ourselves? And I know what's crazy is because when I seen Roots, I was young. We were all young, right? When we first experienced Alex Haley's Roots, because I think the, the the PBS or whatever came special with um, Reading Rainbow guy uh, came out and I think it was like either 77 or 79, somewhere around there. Um, but just to to see all that shit and to believe that it was a lot of that was true, right? Because this, I'm going to get even Roy Wilkins, but I'm first I want to get into this. I, I want to get into this video where this is Brother Dick Gregory. Um, so I just want people to listen. I probably won't play the whole nine minutes, but I'll play most of it. So just listen. That's why the professor at uh, wait, like the professor at Howard University. I mean, how Harvard when they say that happened the night he came back from China. You're aware of that, right? Mm-hmm. Now, a neighbor, twelfth house. What point do you suspect somebody's robbing, taking stuff in the house, and not bringing stuff out? <laughs> mm-hmm. You know what that was about? He brought 40-some boxes back with him. That was the CIA and the FBI. Setting up a situation where they could get him out the house so they could go and check the boxes out. Hmm? Hmm. What is this Negro bringing back from China? Huh? Mm-hmm. That's what that was about. Huh? Mm-hmm. Now, when I heard him come out and say something negative about, you know, Django, I can't understand it, but at least I know why. He was he at Harvard University, man. He can't let the white folks know he enjoyed that. <laughs> he can't let the white folks know he enjoyed that. Kill mm-hmm. all the white folks with him. And mm-hmm. also, he's the first dude of substance that blew the whistle on uh, what's, what's the guy who wrote uh, Alex Haley. Mm-hmm. And Alex Haley hadn't wrote none of that. You know, I was out there doing it because <laughs> I don't care what you think of me. I know mm-hmm. he didn't write it. But see, he get added to a Playboy magazine. Murray Fisher wrote all of that stuff, okay? Mm. And if you punch up on your computer, uh, Harry Holander, who wrote one of the best books on Africa called The African, a mm. white boy. Kuta Kinta came out of his book word for word, huh? Wow. And if you take off the trial in upstate New York, where a federal judge made the publisher and Alex Haley paid him $650,000 and then checked I made him apologize to him in the court and the judge said, I worked a lot of these cases, but I never saw anybody take something word for word like you have. Hmm? Mm-hmm. And you know what? Yep. Yeah. I would say, like, with Tarantino, they say he said that he, he said that Jingle was better than Roots. And a lot of people got mad about that. He said Jingle Chain was better than Roots. Uh, it was. It was. Okay. It was seven hood. Huh? At least we know where it come from. Mm-hmm. When that, when that, when that, who, who the kind got that book, he couldn't hit that white boy. Hmm? <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. Jesus. Uh, mm. They killed King. 
Did he make? Mm-hmm. Did he make you mad? Huh? Mm-hmm. Okay, so you won't pick who you gonna be mad at, who you not, because you don't understand. I just told you just now. Mm-hmm. And one of the things I think you should do, that we don't have the time now. Listen, you got your computer sitting in front of you. Yes, sir. You got it in front of you. Yes, sir. Then punch up, punch up the the federal courts in upstate New York. Punch up Harry Hollander, who wrote the African and 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 the case. It is right there. Okay. Mm-hmm. All that crap he was doing wasn't nothing but lies. Huh? Nothing mm-hmm. but lies that somebody else wrote the truth, but he didn't write it. Huh? Mm-hmm. He didn't write it. If I know that Elder Kelly didn't write Root and didn't write Malcolm, okay? Mm-hmm. He's the thing you asked him, he said he hated Malcolm. Listen, he wasn't just working. They recruited Mount uh, Alex Haley out of naval intelligence, okay? Right. Now, how I know that, he don't know it, right? Mm. All right. Now, when 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 he became world-renowned, it was because the articles, while he's supposed to have been with Malcolm, he was doing for Playboy magazine. Mm-hmm. Okay? He didn't write none of them articles in Playboy magazine, Okay. That was the the, 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 the editor for me, Murray Fisher, right? Mm-hmm. Who wrote that, right? Okay. Now, when the book come out, Murray Fisher wrote the book, all of it, right? Now, let's take a look at it. When the brother said that uh, uh, he plagiarized, right? The, the author, now, now listen to this. He wrote... That came out of the book called The African, you know, Harold Courtlander, right? That's he, when he said he sued him, it wasn't a million dollars. He sued him and they settled out of court for $650,000. And mm-hmm. he had to admit, okay, that that he, he took the stuff out of the book that he had never done none of that stuff he said in the book and the whole thing, right? Yes, sir. And so now, the the, the trial lasted, I think it was two weeks, right? Mm-hmm. Now, the great part about is this trial took place in federal court, right? Yes, sir. So, that's public, that's public domain. All you got to do is hit up and, and you find out the, the, the judge's name. Doing, doing the trial, presided presiding U.S. District Judge Robert J. Ward stated, "Copyright. This is period." In mm-hmm. a later interview, he told BBC Television, Judge Ward said Alex Haley perpetrated the biggest hoax in the history of the public. Right? Mm-hmm. And he now this is documented. This is settled court. He, and he told him, he he told him, go settle this or I'm going to get you for perjury because we have evidence. Told him from his lawyer that you had this book 18 months before you testified that you ever heard of it, okay? Hmm. Now, when, when, when Malcolm came out on page 122, he listed Dick Gregory. Right. In other words, Malcolm spoke to told him, Dick Gregory told me about Elijah Muhammad's women. Well, I lived around the corner from Elijah, so I went around with the book. I said, man, I guess the government's trying to make y'all mad at me so they can kill me and blame it on y'all. 
Mm-hmm. I said, I love Malcolm. I love you. I've been knowing you. Really for me. I would tell you something on Malcolm before I tell Malcolm something on you. Mm-hmm. You know? Now, I'm saying, now, now, now this is very important. Yes, Did you hear when he said stuff was being sold, right? Mm-hmm. Now, let me tell you something very important. There's been few books at that time that have made as much royalty money. You hear me? It's mm-hmm. Alex Haley. All over the world is making millions of dollars, even now, right? Yes, sir. The roots, the TV, the whole thing, right? Now, mm-hmm. let's think about this. Let's say you write a book that becomes a runaway bestseller. You're making 50, 60 million dollars to get royalties, okay? Mm. You owe me $10,000, right? Yes, sir. But you're an alcoholic, you're a drunk, you're a drug addict, and you're a gambler, right? Mm. So you're broke, right? Now, I'm not going to have my lawyers auction off your possession because every six months you get a new royalty check, right? Mm-hmm. So all I've got to do is go into federal court and attach your royalties and I get the money before you get it. So why did they have the auction? Because Alex didn't have nothing. Mm. Huh? Yes, now, how come Malbo didn't put that in the book? I knew it, but he didn't know it. See, all of them perpetrate fraud, but they do it just enough. Okay? Mm. So when his job, see, when they put, when, 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 when they kill Malcolm, all the stuff changed and nobody didn't realize that that wasn't what Malcolm was telling him, right? So now all at once now, it didn't kill Malcolm. It made Malcolm big, right? Mm -hmm. Malcolm got bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. about that Malcolm they get bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger um shit I just watched a couple of shows this weekend about Malcolm and Martin um actually National Geographic has a great great um I I would I would call it a show because there's actors in it um but it's talking about Martin and, and, and Malcolm and leading up to their deaths and damn they were powerful men um but then it made me wonder about Malcolm's death a little bit more because I had heard you know you've always you you hear rumors you know um and things so I definitely wanted to um spotlight that so I, I dug in the more I found the documentary uh, called Who Killed Malcolm on Netflix. And this shit blew my mind of finding all these different, uh, especially in the, oh, are you there now? Yeah, yeah, can you hear me? Uh, yeah, I can hear you. <laughs> yeah, oh, I guess my laptop's having some issues today. Thank you for that uh, that warm welcome earlier, bro. I appreciate always, that. Always, always. No, nah, but this 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 topic you're you're uh, going on today is pretty interesting. So let me get this straight. If I'm yep. if I'm if I'm gathering all this correctly, right? So yep. there was a white guy who came up with the book The African. Yep. And so he came up with the original. Not that the storyline's real, but whatever. But he came up with the original story 
that ended up yes. being the show The Roots that a black guy plagiarized. Yeah, so basically you had this this author, uh, Harry Howard Coulter, or whatever his name is, and he wrote a book called The African. And it's basically, so what Alex basically did, or whoever this other guy is from the Playboy, um, they did basically just switched the names from the character in the African to um, Kunta Kente. They're saying, but they still saying that Kunta Kente is, a re is really related to Alex Haley. And there's been a lot of um, debate about that because of what Alex actually said in court. And that's what Dick Gregory was bringing up um, about the fact is that people have to, you know, go back. Like he said, if you got that computer right there in front of you, Google it, look it up. It, because it's not things they're going to come out and just openly tell us. True. And it, and it really, it, it really saddened me. Um, because it was, that's something that I've literally, you know what I'm saying? I think a lot of black people have, you know, took a lot of feeling and emotion um, with that with that series, with, with the book, uh, even with Malcolm, you know? And so I, I always feel like, you know, we always go back to that shit about tokenism and that feel good shit. And it's like, was that what that was all about is to make black people actually feel good in a traumatized and brutal type of way. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So it's like shit, cause I, I I'm gonna even get it. I don't know when I, cause this next one that I want to do, I want to get into Emmett Till, and cause there's a lot to that. And not saying that Emmett Till was a lie or or anything like that, uh, but just, there's a lot of shit too, uh, Emmett, and how people got rich, got and, and that brings me to Roy Wilkins. A lot of people didn't even know that Roy Wilkins is from Minnesota. Hold on, though. So this guy, uh, the guy, the Haley guy, right? The yep, one who took the story, right? The one who took the story. I'm guessing that he ended up getting cheated out in the end, too. Am I correct? See, now the way that you look at it, from what the way that Dick Gregory and the way that I can see looking up the book is that, yeah, Alex Haley really didn't get paid off that book. He didn't. It was everybody else around him that got paid. So when he sued when the author of the African sued Alex Haley. He also had to include Double Day in the the publishing and all that because of the simple fact of Alex wasn't getting paid off that book because he didn't write. Story, the yeah, he didn't. He didn't. He, yeah, he didn't write that story. But it was a book first. You know what I'm saying? They, he's saying. The way that Alex told the story of how he came up with Roots is listening to his family members and, and they're discussing about slavery and, and where they came from. Mm. But it was actually a, a book already that was made up. But it just shocked me because mm. I know for shit, I think just even two weeks ago, I was saying, um, maybe not even two weeks ago, but just a, a while ago, uh, and Roots was a true story. I, and I think even just going back, because now I, you know, I got a Roku, 
It's Black History Month, and what's the first thing that I see every time I turn on my TV? Is oh, of course. The Roots thing, a preview ad for Roots. I'm talking about no ads. Come watch it for free. And it's like, now I look at that shit and be like, mm-hmm. how about as hell? <laughs> for real. Like, or even just about like who I talked about this morning already, you know, Thomas Fountain Blue. I didn't know about, I didn't know him. Mm-hmm. I never knew nothing about him until this weekend. Or even uh, Henry Box Brown, the guy with the, came up with the, uh, Spark plug. I didn't know that. I'm, I love I history. I, I love history and, and going back and, and looking at that's why I say this whole DEI shit. Didn't learn it. Didn't learn it. Um, I believe that it's a fallacy. It's it's another way, it's the equivalent. So DEI to 2020 is what the quote-unquote civil rights era and the voting rights act was right. for the late 60s it's a way to just water us down and say oh we did something for y'all when really it's just another way to kick the can down the aisle again and right. say that something was done for us when it really wasn't no and and see that's the crazy thing of it is because if people listen to that dick gregory interview and and honestly i'll put there's a he's there, it's a, it's about a three hour interview and it's from 2011 I believe, um, and he gets into some deep shit, deep deep shit, you know, and and it was crazy because I was at work last night, and I've been listening to a podcast that has gone in depth about the 1994 Crime Bill Act, mm. and. The guys were sitting there laughing at me because it's they're like, damn, did it really do all of that? And I'm like, yeah, and it's crazy how you have people that who voted for that that have came out and spoken against it, but they still haven't changed anything about it. Right. You know, um, and now and then there was only four people that voted nay on that. And one of the people that voted nay, Mr. Scott from Virginia, um, He's the one that was speaking about it. And I also found that there was one from Wisconsin, Feingold, and then Dernberger, who was actually a Republican. He was the only Republican to vote no. And I I reached out to some older Republicans here in Minnesota. He passed away. Rest in peace, Mr. Dernberger. Um, Passed away last year in January. But I'm hoping that they're... um, that there's people that I can talk to that were close and maybe either worked for him and, and to see why he voted no right. on the 1994 crime bill. Like, because I do believe his reasoning is going to be different from Scott's who was a Democrat mm-hmm. and he voted because he voted no, he explained why he voted no. And it really tripped me out because Bobby Rush, if people don't remember was a black Panther. Right. You know what I'm saying? So, and he voted yes on that bill. So it made me always wonder, and even Paul Wellstone voted yes on that bill. Um, so it really made me wonder these progressive ass people who call themselves progressives, but yet wrote legislation or co-signed, authored, whatever they want to call it. But see, that was that you got we gotta understand the soup at that time. 
because you had it was the 90s the mid 90s on, on top of that so a lot of people especially black people and white people everyone was under the guise of multiculturalism diverse you know everyone's equal opportunity you know everyone's made it black people are for the most part thriving more than they ever have up in history up until that point you know what i'm saying it was the mid 90s then you've got Bill Clinton just became president. You've got these this this feel good sensation. So you throw that on top of this mass like the way I see it, everyone went with the status quo, thinking that that was morally and politically correct at the time. You know- I think that everyone saw it as if you went against the grain on that narrative, whether you were black, white, it didn't matter. If you went against the grain on that, you were the problem. How dare you not think that these people, these kids deserve this, that, and the third? Everyone deserves to get penalized. But it, it was a certain but here's narrative. Here's my thing of it, though, bro, right? Here's my thing of it, right? Because I can literally find things before the, even the crime bill came out right that was even signed passed in the law you literally had community leaders calling out the government and the cia for bringing drugs and guns into the black community so it really made me wonder why did they do the 1994 crime bill when you literally had people calling out from poor communities black communities brown communities and because not everyone paid not everyone's paying attention to that or it mm-hmm. registers with everyone you know there's there's people calling out ai and the dangers of it today but no one's listening to it but we'll look back at it 20 years from now and look and, and be able to pinpoint that people were bringing this argument up no one's paying attention no you know? but I, it's see, a drop but in the bucket I, I don't agree i don't see i i i don't agree with the people are not paying attention because we can't say that anymore because everybody's got access right in their hands 24 7 hours a day that doesn't mean that people are paying attention even if it's right in their face those are two different things no i'm not giving people i'm not i'm i'm gonna tell you right now though of being in a society that we are right we have to stop giving people the benefit of the doubt that they're not realizing what the fuck is going on it's the fact that people don't care because you can't say that because if we're going to say that people that it's right there in their face and that they can't understand it or they they can't see it no fuck that 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 that, that's that's enabling people um no i'm just being realistic and looking at what i see people don't pay attention because they just don't there's some people just don't have the capacity some people are just hardwired to not some people just are tired some people just are ignorant and some people really do understand and those people just don't care i think it's a lot of it's a lot of all that you know and given the the current standings of society i mean people can only stay focused on one thing for like five minutes at a time you know what i mean and compared now to the 90s we had a lot more time and patience on our hands to sit and assess and learn stuff yes but was this stuff being put on mainstream media to be shoved down people's throats like that the 94 crime bill was 
you know what i mean the 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 narrative surrounding it the 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 propaganda surrounding it to push people into thinking why this was such a needed thing to get people off our streets do you know what i mean so people went right along with it without challenging it and so yeah today even though we have all of this knowledge at our fingertips 99% of people don't utilize it even though they know that they can because you can remind someone someone asks you a question and you go you can go bro you got a phone why don't you go on google and i'll go oh people do that every single day and i don't give people the benefit of the doubt i call they ass dummies <laughs> right no, i'm gonna be 100. i'm gonna be 100 because i'm gonna tell you right now literally right it's just like something that I posted this morning about consent decrees. When are people going to wake up that that is nothing more than a money grabber? And it's the same shit that we're, we're talking about because ain't shit changed. And and that's why if you don't understand where you come in, where you come from, you don't you, you will never understand where we're going. You'll never understand where we're going. See, this is what Robert was saying is proving my point. At that time, you know, people thought that this was a real thing. They believed it. They went with it. Given the the propaganda that was fed to them, they just soaked it up and was like, "Oh yeah, that's real. Okay, that makes sense." And let's see, they can come up. out. Here's the thing but, of it is, but though. listen, listen. Now they say that we know that that's that not. Now we know that the studies that they use to justify all that kind of shit is not true, and we know better. When you know better, you do better. No, but they're not okay. So you say that we you had know a whole better, group. Better, why are we not you have doing a better? Whole, you have a whole group of black people from the '90s on that have been misled and miseducated on lots of things, whether it was then or now. And the same amount of pockets of people that were miseducated on why they were in, they ended up locking up their family and friends 30 years ago are the same people, there are the same descendants who don't have any understanding of any of this stuff today. That's why we're having this conversation so that more people can, right? Like time may have changed, but time may have went on, but I still feel like none of this has changed. Like you still got the same amount of people that's living with their heads buried under the sand, whether that's the information saying, is here so or not. How have we learned right. anything when they haven't corrected anything? We haven't. That's that's what I'm trying to we, say. Of like, right? No, we how, say the same thing. Because that's the whole thing for me is, and I'm and and even with college education, because I I get tired of people talking about they got college degrees but ain't doing nothing with it but being the fucking puppet that they paid to be mm -hmm. yeah and they still that what's crazy is they still none of that we've had all of these people coming out that's what i, I don't understand is you know, even when, when, when these were, you know, fuck it, I'm going to go down this rabbit hole, fuck it. But when you literally, I see these Republicans, these black Republicans, right? 
whatever they want to call themselves, because I'm not going to call them conservatives. I, I'm, I'm not going to put them in that category. Um, but they literally come out here and, and, and they want to talk about the immigration and all of this thing and be behind tr President Trump. But what about our own backyards? Because the presidency ain't going to do shit. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry, but it ain't. Mm -hmm. and, 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 and here's the thing of it is, we're coming from inner city areas that have been blue for 30 years plus. 30 years plus. And, and I will tell you right now that these people are so cocky. These people are so cocky. South Carolina only had 4% of the vote, Democratic voters come out and they said it was a landslide. 4%. But they don't want to tell you that. If you look at the South Carolina primary numbers compared to the last 10 primaries, presidential primaries, this is the least amount of voters they had. The least amount. So they're not worried about the Biden is going to be November. As I'll tell you right now, I can't wait for the, 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 the presidential poll, primary polls to come out for the Republicans, because I guarantee it, the numbers will be way higher. Way higher. That's why I don't I can't even believe these polls where they where they say Biden and and, 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 and Trump, because I don't even believe that shit. I don't really believe that Biden, and then if it is, if Biden does win, it ain't going to be because he gets the popular vote. It's because he got the electoral vote. As I do believe Trump will win the prime, uh, the the popular vote. If he's on the ballot, he will win the prime, the the popular vote. I don't honestly, I, don't I can't see around that. I can't see anybody getting a significant portion of the popular vote. You really don't see it. I don't see anyone. I don't see any of the candidates getting a significant portion of the popular vote. Trump or <clears throat> Trump didn't have this uh, the popular vote last time. He why would he have it this time? He didn't. Have, I thought he had the popular vote in twenty twenty. No, not not even close. Nowhere near. Because I swear, no. That he was the only one that that wanted one of the presidents that had the popular vote and didn't win. Mm, no. From what I always have recalled, Trump has never like the majority of the country has never supported Trump, even when he was president. <laughs> so how could he get the popular vote? Oh, yeah, no, he did. Biden had a popular vote. 81 million. Bro, you have to remember, there's not many Republicans in this country. I think Democrats outnumber Republicans just as registered two to one, I believe. 
So there's no way that like he he could never win popular vote. Also, there there's not right, enough. Yes, there's not enough people. There's now. not enough people in America that support him. And this, so going into like this current election, it's so divided and fractured up between candidates and parties. No one's gonna get a popular vote. Nobody. You don't think you don't think a lot of people are gonna vote in this election. That has nothing to do with it. The more people I vote, know, the I, more fra- know, the more people that vote, the even more fractured it's going to be. The more people that vote, the less popular vote anyone's going to get is what I'm saying. So it really doesn't matter. But the way that politics are and the way that we're so divided in America these days, no one is going to get the a significant share over anybody else of popular vote anytime soon. See, I don't even think we're that divided. I think niggas is just scary ass. Uh, no, you look at statistics and you listen to experts. We are extremely, extremely divided, wow. extra more than any other time in history, in our in our American history. I mean, everybody's got their own opinions, perspectives. That proves the point right there. Like that's what we're, I'm saying. We're but at a, but that also, that also, listen, that also you, comes along from social media and the internet. We've been put into a, a super individual, individualistic um, mind frame in America. So where everyone thinks that they've, like we do, got our own platform. So everyone feels as though they're. There is no I align with this political entity. It's more or less like I do what I want. You know, and that's just going to keep fragmenting more and more and more. I'm going to say this because I believe differently and I'm going to tell you why I believe differently is because when you put people's ideologies together, we have more in common than we have divided. Right. Than we have against. Yeah, I think you missed my point, though. I agree with you. That's not what I'm saying okay. is the current case, though. But that's what that, that's where I'm coming down to, because of the simple fact you take out politics. Right. People have way more in common than anything else when it comes. I don't even care when it even comes to fucking religion, but you put politics in there and it causes a whole shit storm. Because I'll tell you right now, the conversations that I have with people and they'll say that they're a Democrat. But when you start talking about their policies, oh, you're a conservative and you don't even realize it. But they'll tell you because you're a Republican. And that's crazy as hell to me. I gotta find this information. I'm gonna send it to you when I get a chance. But I agree with you fully. Like we're saying the same thing. And I oh, know I didn't want to get into that today, so I'll take that off. I didn't want to get into that. Where's that other? Did I have another? No, I didn't have another. But yeah, I will, let's pull up the. Oh, you know what? No, I know. I remember what I wanted to pull up. Oh, no. No, I didn't. Because that was talking about that, too. So. Yeah, because they definitely take this shit out of a playbook. 
Let's see, channels. I found it. I found it. Hold on. You know what I should have did while I was doing that is hold on, you guys. I'm gonna be right back. Um, me and Jontel will be right back. Let me find Trip. In Rwanda, I got two gallons of gas in the backseat. Been a ridge of fleas. I got that zoot soup boot juice. Yeah, kill you with a fingernail. There's air raid sirens in residential villages. Wholesale slaughter. Sons and daughters just because of their parentage. Heritage need a hermitage. Pilgrimage. Cleanse your sins. You bathe in the blood. Innocence. It's a reticence to confess. There is no remembrance for those blacks. Rise against the system, rise and fight, fight for the dreams, the children, the hurt, hunger, lost souls from cancers, addictions, slavery and sins, fight for the lost friends, fight for the love, the kind that comes from within, the truth won't be lost, I will fight for all, all are to win. Say all I want is love, and you want it all the time, could be our space and envy, I'd surely let you borrow mine, so should we take a gambit, spin three sevens in a line, to share our space and envy, I'm sure we'd turn out fine. Only one is love, and you want it all the time. Take my space and envy, don't forget that this one's mine. And, and she, we, oh shit. Yeah. We, were, we were talking about memorizing stuff. I, I think um, I do better memorizing things with the, like, aesthetic. Like, the my... So, I wanted to just show this part right here. So, in 1977, um, Roots did a rare double winning a Pulitzer Prize and a National Book Award. In both cases, a special citation. But that was before Haley was forced to settle plagiarism suit out of court, conceding the following year that parts of it were lifted from a 1967 novel, The African, and before significant elements of the book's family history unraveled when investigated. No documentary evidence could be found for parts of the 19th century story in the great whatever who stole his sole source in the Gambia may have just been ambly telling him that he what he wanted to hear. Most of us feel it's highly unlikely that Alex actually found the village whence his ancestors sprang tutted his friend here Henry Lewis Gates Jr., the Pope of African-American studies in 1998, calling Roots a work of the imagination. The autobiography has also been criticized for distorting the facts of Malcolm X's life to give it a narrative shape. Seeing that what's crazy is I never knew most of this shit. Griot, what does that mean? Griot. You're a Griot. So a griot is um it's a West African derived word. Um it's a poet. It's someone that tells stories, it's someone that passes on knowledge. Uh it's someone that passes on knowledge and information from our ancestors to bring on to the next generation to keep our culture preserved and keep our culture going. We are the ones, we are the leaders, we are the ones that help shape our histories of our peoples. 
Um, to be a griot is a great duty. To be a griot is to be a rapper. To be a griot is to be a storyteller, a singer, a poet, um, an intellectual, a philosopher, uh, a, a, a philanthropist, an activist, a revolutionary. Um, all those kinds of people are griots, and it derives from West Africa, and it's a name that they brought with them over here. So I myself right. identify as a griot. My bad. I had that word spoke out to me, and I saw you skip over it. And I no, was like, you're nah. good. You're good. It, oh, it was go a perfect ahead. time. To, perfect time to do a little story time and bring that up to people so they knew. <laughs> yeah, I that's think that's crazy. something that I, we I, all I, have. There's a lot of things that I didn't, I didn't even fucking know, man, and that's crazy. And and it's like, why were they? If they knew all that shit was like fake and not a true story why did they let us why did they lead us to never mind i already know why right i was gonna say you know that and i feel good but it's like why man because like they like, would really give us something real come on no i know but it's like damn because it's crazy to i'm sitting here when i was reading this article earlier it was a part of that his work continues to resonate in popular culture. Most recently, when the rapper Kendrick Lamar cited the autobiography as the book that changed him and recorded the 2015 track King Kunta, in which mm. Roots Rebel Slave becomes a swaggering crime lord. And it's like the fact that, you know, LeVar Burton was his name. Mm -hmm. Damn. No, I forgot it because I just said Reading Rainbow when I talked about it earlier. Yeah, I'm done. Oh, that's what his name was. No, I know him by the like, Burton. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, I just couldn't think of his name. Whatever. He's a liar anyway. Well, no, he ain't a liar, but it <laughs> but it just tripped me out because it makes me it may I ain't gonna say he's a liar, but he he's something. Uh well, he got nothing to do with that. I'm not no, I, I didn't say him. I'm not talking uh. about Oh, uh, I like LeVar Burton. I grew up on LeVar Burton. Reading Same, same um, word. But it just trips me out because, I mean, I I was just telling Ashley just the other day, talking about Kunta Kante and shit. And telling her, and then, it, 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 yeah, man. This shit just blows my mind, though. The, the shit they want us to um believe and the shit that they want us to. But it, I guess that's America. Yeah, that is America. But since I got you on here, I'm going to go into something that we can discuss, and it has to do with policing. Okay. Um. So let me get to it real quick. I think I, I shared it this morning. Um, it was talking about Minneapolis and their consent decree. Ah, uh, yeah. Uh, okay, so let me switch, share this tab instead. So what you're seeing right here is, a, and I'll share it into here too. Um, but last week, the city of Minneapolis uh, selected their monitoring team, which is the effective law enforcement for all. Um, it should be sparking concerns among certain residents, uh, but uh, the timing of the organization's incorporation in Delaware just weeks after the tragic George Floyd incident raises eyebrows. 
More intriguing is the fact that their headquarters resides in a lavish $1.2 million home of the company's leader in Maryland. In a puzzling move, the organization established an office in New Orleans situated in a gated community with five bedrooms and a golf course. What adds a layer of skepticism is their current status as not in good standing in Louisiana for failing to file an annual report, suggesting a lack of attention to administrative details. The question arises, if they overlook such basic requirements, how thorough will their monitoring of Minneapolis be? The organization's track record is equally questionable. Their website boasts only one project, a written, a written report for the Montgomery County Police Department. This limited experience leaves many wondering about their capability to, hand, to handle the complex challenges within Minneapolis effectively. Moreover, the com composition of the monitoring team includes former chiefs of police from New Orleans and Baltimore Police Departments, both of whom failed to achieve compliance with their respective DOJ consent decrees during their tenures. This history of non-compliance raises concerns about their ability to guide Minneapolis towards meaningful and lasting police reform. Adding, adding another layer of complexity, members from the New Orleans monitoring team known for open hostilities with the city's mayor and police department are part of the Minneapolis team. This inner team conflict raises questions about the effectiveness and unity of the monitoring efforts. As citizens seek transparency and accountability in the monitoring process, it becomes crucial to question the suitability of this organization for such a critical task. The lack of diverse and successful projects coupled with a, a questionable history of compliance calls into question the selection process and whether the residents of Minneapolis will truly benefit from this monitoring team. Advocates are urging a thorough reality reevaluation to ensure that the monitoring team aligns with genuine interests and needs of the community. Um, this sounds like a huge conflict of interest and it just sounds really messy. And, and you but what's crazy is I when you start to look in these consent decrees, Dog, all their and then what's crazy, Baltimore. So what Memphis, is so explain uh, to people? Angeles. Explain to people what's the dissent, whatever you just said. So, a consent decree is something that came out from the 1994 Crime Bill Act, and it was something to hold local police departments accountable um, for violating civil rights um okay basically if they were you know doing policing wrong it was to get them you know to see how but it's never anybody that's been under a consent decree has never fully gotten out of it so it's like how do we make change with something that has no end result has no metrics what of success and failure looks like when you still have these police departments still in them and all they're doing is bleeding money from city budgets. Hmm. Maybe and that I, was the I don't, plan. I, don't really, I do honestly believe that. I don't really believe that 
reform and change has anything to do with the game. Anything. No, it's just a waste of money to say, hey, we're doing something, but really something. no one wants to really do anything. No, and it's that we'll you know what's they crazy do. is because, right. And what's it's crazy a ploy, is, it's a it's they're playing the game. Exactly on paper, because they, they bring in all these so-called um experts are, are in their field, and it's like okay, that they're qualified, they might be qualified on paper. But what have they done? Because they never right. show anything what they've done. Right. You know, it's like that that written report that they did. Who cares a yep. fuck about a written report? What kind of actionable that steps part, have you taken? Talk about it. <laughs> you know? Right. And that's what no, talk about, Robert. They just get more money. Mm-hmm. They just get more, exactly. more money off. It's one big it's Ponzi one. scheme. And what but you know, when I was digging into this, it Honestly, and Minneapolis chose the perfect people to do it, right? Because at the end of the day, they work with people like this all day, every day. But when it comes right. to their their nonprofits who are not active or um, who misuse money. And so they're right. not doing, we're, we're not getting anything different than what we've already been dealing with for Forgetting. years. Right. Right, man. And it's, I don't understand how people don't see that. And I posted it into a Minneapolis group and people were like, well, what can we do about it? Call your, your elected official, call whoever is in your ward, whoever, if it's Vitaw, if it's Ellison, if it's Payne, if it's Chavez, Koski, Palmasano, Jenkins, uh, Payne, uh, Shagtai, uh, uh, Chaldry, uh, uh, Wansley, um, uh, Cashman, I think I've said all 13 of them. If it's any of them, call them up and tell them that, hey, something is fishy here. Why are we paying? We're going to pay these people all of this money. And and they they were only literally started a nonprofit two weeks after the, the, the murder of George Floyd. Make it make sense to me. But it, it's because I really dug into this shit and I can see why. One of these, the Minneapolis groups were mad, but they shouldn't have been no mad because if they would have got it, I'd be going on here saying the same shit about them because they just as crooked as the people that they hired anyway. That's the whole crazy thing. Thanks. You know what I'm saying? I swear to God, mm-hmm. if Al Flowers, Stuttering Al Flowers and Bethel and and, 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 and UCMT would have got it because they might be that group that started in the in the early 90s, late 80s, but that not with the same intentions because I'll tell you right now, the truth tellers, the trendsetters, the truth seekers, Ron Edwards and Bellacourt ain't there no more. That's crazy. Oh, Lord, did you just, Jesus Christ. Oh, get the fuck out of here. I hate that. I'm, I'm going to, you know what's crazy? I'm going to watch that today. Cause I know his weird ass L puts that on his, uh, so camo J community conversations yesterday, they'll be working with them doing the 50 million violence interrupting. And there is 80 million for businesses, 29 just for North God damn. Is there enough demand for the businesses or is it setting them up to fail? I believe it's setting them up to fail because you got that train coming in there. And people are there. All it's going to be is moving that money. 
It ain't gonna North Minneapolis ain't gonna see that because you got the train coming right down Broadway. And they've already been discussing Georgia Fort had, I think it was last weekend, had black businesses on and was talking about how it's gonna ruin North Minneapolis. So them talking about all that is just bullshit. Mm. Even Camel Bay is moving. Damn. It's crazy. Mm-mm-mm. We ain't ever gonna see no change, man. Not the not the way that we're going. Now people got to do their homework. Agreed. We definitely got to do our homework, and honestly, we got to be able to have tough conversations. We got to be able to have thoughtful and 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 i'm over here stuttering i I don't even know the perfect word to say but to be respectful to one another you know treat others have conversations of how you want people to have conversations with you think Mm -hmm. about that before you get into a because we ain't going to get nowhere if we just keep on name calling if we keep on disrespecting people let's let's Keep about what we're in this for, the community. There ain't no point of calling nobody a bitch or a hoe or whatever their sexual orientation is or their religion. No, that's just hateful. That's just hateful. Mm-hmm. Let's have thoughtful, educational discourse. Because I get tired of the disrespect I see all the time. That's why I, don't even, I get tired of talking in them spaces. Because the minute somebody don't agree with you, they call you a bitch. Mm-hmm. They want to mute you. Man, if you don't get your cell warrior ass up out of here. <laughs> like, that's how I feel. You know what I'm saying? And then it's like they want to call themselves a leader, but can't even spell border right. Ooh, that part. Right. Called Spelled it B. And then did it multiple times, not just once. Did it multiple times on posts. And it's like, oh, what, what, wait, that's not even how you spell border, dog. And you want people to get behind you? No, you need to go get behind the, the, the spelling bee. Because, damn, how you, because at first I thought maybe it was spell check. So I, I had to do it on, I had to grab multiple things. I grabbed the Android phone to see if it did it. Nope. I said, okay, maybe Siri did that shit. Nope. And I'm like, damn. That shit crazy. And we're supposed to get behind that. Well, let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. Yeah. Wasn't Harriet Tubman illiterate? Wasn't certain people illiterate? I get your point, though, because it's not about can you read or write? It's about can you critically think? So I get your point. I'm just taking it home. No, I, I dig that. I dig that. Okay, but because we ain't all the, we ain't all the most articulate, but we know what we're talking about. You know what I'm saying? So I think that's more or less what you're trying to say, um, because we 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 all ain't you know we, we all didn't have um, the best words to say, but we we know what needs to be done. Oh, definitely. But if you can't spell border, <laughs> come 
Come on, man. That's that's something you learn in first grade. Yeah, but you know these these kids today ain't learning nothing. No, these these grown ass senior citizens. Shit, this nigga older than me. Mm. <laughs> that's what tripped me <laughs> out. You know, I was yeah, but I, we got about four minutes left, and uh, I. I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you right now, this week is gonna be tough for a lot of y'all. Yeah, I, I'm gonna have a lot of people hating me this week. Um <laughs> no, I'm gonna tomorrow I'm gonna get into Emmett Till. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We're gonna talk about that. And um not that Emmett Till wasn't that that is a real story. Uh that is Emmett Till was real. Uh, but the story behind it and how quickly because I didn't know that literally he it was that quick. Everything was over within a month after him dying. The trial and that, like all of that shit was over within and just that quick. Damn. Yeah, I didn't, I, I didn't even know that. I don't think a lot of us knew that. Uh, I never even knew that they they did a, a article and admitted to doing the crime. Oh yeah, because there was nothing that could be done. In the right, because it was. It was, there's no double jeopardy. There's no. Right. And they were found not guilty, mm-hmm. which really, even though they were guilty as fuck, which really tripped me out. Um, but there's so much more to that and how um, people got notoriety. Uh, people got big off of that. Uh, and there was other things that happened during that time, too, because Medgar Evers died right before Emmett Till. And that's how you had the rise of Roy Wilkins, uh, who was under Edgar. Uh, because before there was Martin, we had Roy. Before we had Malcolm, we had Medgar. Um, so I want people to, to realize that. And Roy Wilkins was actually bigger than Martin until Martin did that. I have a dream speech. Mm. Wait. I never even knew, um, cause yeah, digging into Roy Wilkins, damn, he did a lot for um, the NAACP, which the NAACP back then and what it is now was completely two different things. Oh yeah, uh, you know what I'm saying? They did a lot educational wise. They had their own newsletters. I mean, their people were out speaking the truth so much that they knew what they were getting into. You know, it was a like you know, it was a life or death situation everywhere they went, from you know fire bombings to being shot at to being beat for just speaking up for they people, standing up for the right shit. Um, but I'm gonna land here. I'm gonna let John Tell say his ending, and then I'm gonna say mine, and then we're gonna get up out of here. Oh, you already know, the coffin is open till the case is closed. Make sure y'all catch out the. Uh, Colonizers Coffin on our Facebook page, our YouTube page. Chaz, it's always a pleasure having me on your platform uh, to speak and share my truth as well. And uh, I really appreciate you always sharing knowledge with the world. It's imperative. Appreciate that. I just want people to enjoy their Monday. Today's the fifth day of, of, of Black History Month. Enjoy it. It's supposed to be a beautiful day in Minnesota. Uh, go out and enjoy that. Go out and, and see if your homeless community is okay. 
Go see if you can do something at your local shelter. Go see if you can do something at your local food show. Give back, right? Pay it forward. Um, that being said, man, y'all already know what it is. Win or fail. Well, damn, my mind is stuck today. Win or fail, freedom or jail, heaven or hell. Wish me well. Y'all have a great one. Very conservative.